Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. So I want to begin this morning with a question for you, just to see if you remember and if you know your Bible. Uh, as a believer, as a new creation in Christ, uh, where does the Bible, where does the Scriptures describe your position is? Where are you seated? In heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. And somehow or another, I want to help us get a hold of the impact of that this morning and the importance of, from that position, on a regular basis, daily, exercising the spiritual authority that we have because of what's been accomplished and the position that God has put us in through His Son, Jesus. So I want to I begin by just putting up, having a, Amy put up the chart that I looked at last week with you and remind you that it is critical especially in situations that we are facing right now, um, whether it's circumstances with the COVID situation, whether it's circumstances in our church and what we're looking to do and our changes that we're making, whether it's in our own families. You know, I told you last week that we uh, were celebrating that September 10th represented a year of sobriety for our son Nathan. Well, now he's moving towards year two. Because for a number of years, rather than praying from a position of where we were before we were believers, we've been praying from a position and taking authority over what the enemy has tried to do in his life over the years. Now, the thing about all of that and that position that we're in, we know that God is sovereign and we, we follow his lead. It doesn't, it doesn't change what we do in terms of our position and our continued pressing in, but there are times that for all sorts of different reasons, the enemy will cause delay, the enemy will cause discouragement, the, the enemy will, will try to convince us that what we're attempting to do is not worthwhile, and in the process, we'll experience some defeat along the way. But let me make sure that we understand this morning that defeat does not equal moving us from position two back down to the position just above the animals. But what we have to be careful about is making sure that we don't let circumstances and things that we are pressing into and praying uh, for and against, that we don't let those things push us out of the position that we're supposed to exercise. I want to read you something that comes from A.B. Simpson, who was the founder of the Christian Mystery Alliance, he said, He raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenlies. This is much more than resurrection. It's ascension. It is taking the place of accomplished victory and conceded right and sitting down in an attitude of completed repose from henceforth expecting with Him until all our enemies be made our footstool. It's a throne life. It is dwelling with Christ on high. Your head in the heavens, 
even while your feet will still walk the paths of the lower world of sense and time. This is our high privilege. So when we're thinking about and understanding clearly where we are seated, we look at it and understand that this is a high privilege that we have been granted to be positioned in this place. And so this morning, what I want us to think about even more clearly and more specifically is the reason that Jesus came to the earth, obviously, was to go to the cross and secure the forgiveness of sins that we need, to, that we need but He also came to restrain evil and to release His kingdom, to cause the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to grow in the earth. And in that process, He grants us the authority to participate in that mission. And there's a couple of specific words that I want to use this morning that come from the Scriptures that talk about what that authority is. So to help us know what that is and to understand more about it, I want to go back to a couple passages that we looked at last week. So Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 20, and I won't read this whole thing, but it's the story when the disciples had reached the other side and they'd forgotten to bring any bread. They were discussing that among themselves. And Jesus said, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so they discuss it some more. Is that because we ran out of bread? And we, we, is that about what happened and how God or Jesus came through for us? And then if you go down to the end of verse 11, He says it again. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then they understood that He didn't tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And I just want to remind us of what we talked about last week, is we talked about, from the Pharisees and Sadducees, two types of spirits that exist in the earth. And they're not unique to the Pharisees and Sadducees. They've been on, on this planet from, the day, from day one, and they exist today in full force. One is the religious spirit that causes people to strive under a triple burden of guilt, fear, and pride. So, if the religious spirit is affecting you right now, when we were singing where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, it is difficult for you to believe that. Because you're striving and you're, fr- you're fussing and fretting over who you are and what your identity is. So the religious, the religious spirit causes people to strive and interrupts the free flow of the Holy Spirit moving in our life. And the religious spirit, like I mentioned last week, is in alliance with the political spirit. So where the religious spirit is causing us to strive and struggle and not rest in what God has for us, the political spirit is specifically assigned to block the establishment of the government of the kingdom of God on the earth. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any prayers right now that you're praying about that have not been answered yet? Okay? Why aren't they being answered? Maybe they're not being answered because in God's sovereign timing, it's not timing yet. But there's also the possibility that because of the atmosphere that's on the earth and because of the privilege that we have to work together with God and and with His Son and the Holy Spirit to expand the kingdom, that the blockage to our prayers, what's holding up the prayers, is something that is in a spiritual realm that is demonic, that is a work of the enemy to cause a blockage to the kingdom of God 
being spread in our lives and throughout the earth. It's the spirit behind the positioning and the strife that we see in earthly governments and behind division in the church. And I don't know about you, but I think we're all seeing, I think we would all agree that we have a lot of division that exists right now. And I think behind that is obviously um, human wisdom, but also behind that is demonic activity to cause all sorts of confusion and to try to block what God wants to do. So, in this same story, if we go down to verse 19, after Jesus uh, talks to Peter and says, who, does, who do men say that I am? And he says, you're Jesus, the Son of God. He says, and, and he blesses Peter for what he says. But look in particular at verse 19. He says to Peter and to the other disciples, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. He says that in chapter 16, and then a couple of chapters later, in chapter 18, in a discussion with the disciples about what happens if there's disagreement in the church, or there's a need for discipline because of problems that are going on, he says, uh, verse 17, if someone refuses to listen, tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector. In other words, give him over to religious and political spirits. And then verse 18, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for you, them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, I want you to think with me for just a minute. You don't have to answer this out loud. Just think about it in your mind. Is there anything in your families, in your workplace, in the nation, in the world, is there anything that you would like to see bound and brought to a stop? Okay, you got some of those things in your mind? Maybe it's sickness in the family. Maybe it's uh, conflict that exists. Now, along with that, are there things that you would like to see set free? Situations where circumstances or maybe individuals are tied up in bondage and they're bound by something. Maybe they're bound by unforgiveness. Maybe they're bound because of uh, uh, circumstances that are out of their control and they've taken a wrong attitude and, and they're striving and they're not experiencing freedom. Is there any situation or any person that you can think of that you would like to see set free? You got some of those in mind? When Jesus is talking about binding and loosing, He's talking about binding in such a way that we restrain evil and loosing is releasing the kingdom blessings and victory. So I want you to think about circumstances in your own life or persons that you had come to mind that, are, that you need to see stopped in what they're doing. You need to see circumstances changed and, and those circumstances bound up, so to speak, so they can't break out of their prison that they get put in because you've tied them up to keep them from doing anything. 
And the binding of spirits or the evil behind those spirits is an exercise. It's an exercise of authority that you have over your jurisdiction. And the jurisdiction that you and I have exists because Paul makes it very clear that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So wherever I plant my feet, that's my jurisdiction. That's my place of assignment. The family that I'm in, the church that I'm in, the neighborhood I live, the workplace I'm at, all of those places, because the Spirit goes with me, those represent jurisdiction. And so when we're in circumstances where all hell is breaking out, we have a privilege and a responsibility to exercise the authority of our jurisdiction and speak in such a way to those forces of the enemy to say, you need to go back to where you came from. That's binding. And then when we see people that are living in such a way that they can't live free, where there's conflict between people, where there's circumstances where people are being totally unreasonable, what we have a responsibility to do as believers is to speak to those situations because death and life is in the power of the tongue. And so we, through prayer and praise, have the privilege and the responsibility to speak release over those situations. Binding of spirits is to restrict, restrain, prohibit, or prevent an activity, an influence, and a control of a certain sort of spirit that exists. The loosing of a spirit is the exercise of authority in our jurisdiction, giving the Lord Jesus Christ to His church in order to release the working and or to set free from activity, influence, and control of the spirit. It's to release into the atmosphere the spirit. And what did we just think? What did we just sing? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? So if there's not freedom, if freedom is not existing in an atmosphere, where's the Spirit of the Lord? It's not in that atmosphere. It's not in that place. And who's responsible to bring the Spirit of the Lord into that place? We are. Because we carry the Spirit of the Lord in us. And so... God gives us the privilege. This is really what evangelism is all about. Evangelism is, of course, leading people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But evangelism also is about bringing an influence into a situation where all of a sudden the atmosphere is different because you're there. The atmosphere is changed because you're there. All of a sudden, arguments and conflict that would exist otherwise Go away because a binding and loosing takes place because you're there with the Spirit of the Lord residing in you. Let me read you something else from A.B. Simpson. Jesus has given us authority to remove from this fellowship everything in opposition with its holy character. He has invested discipline, this discipline with the most sacred and binding authority, and he tells us in this passage, Matthew 18, that what we bind on earth, He will bind in heaven, and what we loose on earth, He will loose on heaven, loose in heaven. Now, here's what it is that you and I have. In the Scriptures, there are several uh, different words that describe power. 
Just like there are four different words that describe love, agape, phileo, eros, and storge. But there are, there are, there's one word that you're familiar with, with power. Jesus says to the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit and wait for power to come upon you. Do you know what that word is there? It's the word dunamis. It's the word that we, from which we get dynamite. There are other words for power, but one in particular that I want to talk about for a few minutes is the word exousia. Everybody say exousia. I just want to hear what that sounded like behind mask. <clears throat> sounded just like I expected. The authority that we have, or the exousia that we have, which is what exousia means, is rooted in the gospel. And the life of Jesus demonstrates for us the bringing of the kingdom through his authority, specifically against sickness, demons, death, and sin. And since we follow him, and if you just kind of reference in your mind that chart, and because we are seated with him in heavenly places, we function in that same authority. As if Jesus is standing right here next to us in the flesh. We function in that same authority. And to give you an example of what that looks like, I want you to look at just this section of Scripture in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, as Jesus sends out the disciples to do the work of the kingdom, it says in verses 1 and 2, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who are the laborers? It's us. We're the ones he said to pray for, that we would be participating in the harvest or the expansion of the kingdom of God. We are the co-laborers. So verse 17 describes what happens when these 72 disciples come back. It says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority, exousia, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So we don't exercise exousia in order to step on people or to be on a power trip of some kind. Because we celebrate who we are in God and we celebrate that our names are in heaven. That's the main thing. But because of that truth and because of our position, then we get to exercise this authority over situations that represent the work of the enemy in people's lives or in circumstances that we're faced with. This exousia is the, the authority or the power or the right that you and I have to act. It's the ability. It's the privilege. It's a competency. It's the freedom. It's the mastery. It's delegated influence. It's a pattern displayed by... It's supposed to be the pattern displayed by His followers. The delegated authority to the 12 disciples. 
And then delegated authority that he gave to the 72 disciples. And then he gives delegated authority to the rest of us. As the Holy Spirit moves throughout the church, authority over sicknesses and demonic strongholds. So let's take a situation you've been praying for. And I say this with all sensitivity, knowing that we have prayed for situations where we pray for people's healing, and healing does not take place. So here's my question. If we pray for people's healing, let's say we pray against a sickness, and we exercise authority, and nothing changes. Therefore, what we're supposed to do then is stop praying, right? What are we supposed to do instead? We keep praying. We keep praying, and we keep praying that whatever is God's will in heaven would be His will on earth. We pray for heaven to come to earth, and then we hand it over to Him to deliver what He wants to deliver as a, as a result of the exercise of our authority in that prayer. So the question is, as we're facing situations, how do we exercise this authority? What's the most effective way for us to do it? So to, do, to, to look at that, I want us to look at one last uh, section of Scripture in a story. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, which happens to be one of my favorite stories in the Scriptures. Because I think it applies to so many situations that you and I face. Verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, and I want you to notice that in particular. They weren't just going to a party. They weren't just going to uh, have a nice meal. They were going to the place of prayer. Sounds sort of spiritual, doesn't it? But they go to the place of prayer, and as we start reading into the rest of the story, as they're going to the place of prayer, all hell breaks out. So from this story, it's not a prescription. It doesn't mean that's always what's going to happen. But it is a description of what happens in, off, often happens in our lives. How many of you have experienced when you've been involved in a really good time of worship or you've had a really significant time of prayer and you really feel close to God and then all of a sudden it feels like all hell breaks loose? Anybody have there, ever have that happen? That's exactly what happens in this story. So it says that as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, with the authority that he had, the same authority that that you would be able to use if you were in the same situation, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. I don't know how many of you have ever had the opportunity and the privilege to speak to a spirit to leave someone alone or come out of them. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands and tell me if you have, but I hope you all get to it one time in your life. If you haven't gotten a chance I hope before you die, you get the chance to speak to a spirit and say, let that person go. Because it is one of the most exhilarating experiences you will ever have. 
to actually pray for someone that is demonized and see them completely set free. Verse 19, But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. How's this time of prayer going? It kind of make you want to quit praying, you know? And when they had... When they brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jail to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into inner prison, into the inner prison, and fastened their feet in stocks. You know that this was not a prison like Martha Stewart went to. So, the result of their prayer time was to end up in jail. So, the scripture goes on to talk about how Paul and Silas discussed how did we get into this? What did we do wrong? Where's God? You know, what is this? What is this thing that we're doing? I mean, it's not worth the time. It's, look what it's costing us. We can't be with our families. It's actually your fault because you should have just left that girl alone and then you wouldn't have upset the leaders. Right? That's what the Scripture says, right? You know the answer to that. It doesn't say that, obviously. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What Paul and Silas were doing were binding and loosing. Praying, praise, and worship are ways of exercising our authority. And you realize you can exercise your authority even behind mask. Because we are pressing into God, and it says they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were there listening to them. So they obviously were singing loud enough. They weren't just singing, Oh, Lord, be praised. Lord, Lord, we worship you. And we hope no one hears us singing. They were singing as loud as they could with the authority that they have. And suddenly there was, verse 26, a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened, which I think is a fascinating way to think about it. Talk about binding and loosing. They bound the spirit of the enemy who had gotten, who was responsible for them being where they are, and then they experience loosing and freedom to leave this place. Verse 27 says, When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, which is the spirit of suicide, by the way, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, for we're all here. So now, not only... Did binding and loosing take place out of their praise and worship to get them out of jail? But binding and loosing takes place in this jailer's home because now an evangelistic work has taken place and this family is free forever. And the bondage that they were in prior to what Paul and Silas did is over. And it says in verse 32, and uh, verse 31, and they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved in your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. 
And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What I love about this story is the way the, the Lord takes it from the beginning to the end. It starts with prayer and it ends with celebration. But in the middle of all of that is the exercise of binding and loosing. In the middle of all of that is the privilege and the opportunity to exercise the authority that they have. So here's the thing that we need to remember is that if we're going to exercise this authority, it's going to cause, it's going to put us in situations where sometimes all hell will break loose. Sometimes it will not be easy. Sometimes it will be more difficult than if we just kind of ignored it and hoped it went away. But the responsibility that you and I and the privilege that you and I have as believers is we have the authority to press into those situations and not give up even when it gets more difficult. Because on the other side of the situation or somewhere in those circumstances is an earthquake or some kind of miraculous event that God brings into our life to cause things to change or someone to walk into a situation that brings the answer that everyone is looking for. So here's what I want you to think about with me this morning. The enemy has these sort of tactics that need binding and loosing. One is, he brings delay. He brings delay in situations and we keep praying and we keep praying and we keep praying. And sometimes what we need to do is specifically speak to the situation and say, the time is now. And it's time it's time for God to do what God is able to do. And the enemy loves to use the tactic to make us lose our way through delay. Because sometimes we experience delay in situations and it goes on so long, we forget what we were praying for in the first place. The second way the enemy uses his tactics is through deceit. He loves to take and derail what God's purposes are and what His words say and to move you from the stability of His truth to start making you question and wonder if maybe there's some errors in the Scripture. Maybe they're not really as true as they say. Another way He distracts us is to break our focus with distraction. To bring circumstances and people in our life that take our eyes off of what we need to see. And to make us concentrate on things that don't really make any difference. You know how He distracts us? He distracts us with, and I'm going to pick them all, MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN. Those are all ways to literally destroy our authority because they don't give us the truth that sets us free. He comes with disappointment. He magnifies the weaknesses of others. He makes us wonder if, can I depend on Silas? Can I depend on Paul? Can I depend on Kathy? Can I depend on Kent? Can I depend on Karen? I'm not so sure. And that's what the enemy tries to do is he tries to divide us and make us wonder if we can depend on each other and if we really need our relationships. But this is how we increase our authority and we counter our t- his tactics. First of all, we prepare ourselves in the Word. One of the things that I dislike 
about the fact that we have the technology now to put everything on the screen is I have no idea whether you guys own a Bible or not. I mean, I know you do, but you know what I'm saying? I read an article this last week that's kind of alarming that sometime between early 2019 and 2020, the percentage of U.S. adults who say they read the Bible daily dropped from 14 to 9%. And that was the largest decrease since this study started in the 10-year history of this study from 2011 to 2019. And the numbers have dropped even further during the period of the pandemic. Because the reality is, even though technology is a great thing and we can watch church online, there's something about studying the Bible together with other people. But nevertheless, we need to be in His Word in order to experience or to receive the exousia that gives us the ability to bind and loose. I want to mention something to you that's very practical. Um, if you go to the Centerpoint website, I think it's centerpoint.org, if you go to that website, um, one of the resources that's available is you, you click on Right Now, and Right Now is a media that has thousands of Bible studies available. And all you have to do is click on right now and register and you have access to all of those. So I just want to mention that to you. The next thing is be faithful or obedient to the Spirit's leading in your life. Because if you commit yourself to this, you all know when we commit ourselves to this, the Holy Spirit leads us into situations. I don't know for sure about this, about our, our leaders, the consistory of our church, but our whole, you know, the Holy Spirit led us to make this decision to leave the Reformed Church of America and join the CNMA. Sometimes, I, I'll just speak for myself, sometimes it's like, you know what, this is more trouble than it's worth. But the Holy Spirit said to do it. And so I'm going to exercise the authority that I have because of His leading. And when I follow Him and obey Him, it makes a difference. The next thing is we need to exercise authority over our mind and our heart and our tongue and our relationships and our time and the way we use our gifts. We need to be careful that we protect our tongue from a complaining, uh, uh, the spirit of complaining. We've got enough complaining in the atmosphere as it is. And with our tongue and our words, it's like, with Paul and Silas, it was about midnight. They were singing hymns to God. The scripture says, Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I was thinking about this when Hannah began to lead us in worship this morning. The very first song. Hello. The very first song. Anybody, except for Hannah, anybody remember what the words were? Hannah, do you remember? <laughs> Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. 
Let it rise. Let praise arise. So we exercise exousia by praising and worshiping. We speak into areas of responsibility and we adjust our focus from circumstances. What's God... What's God's perspective? Is, he, is His perspective from the earth or from heaven? That's not a trick question. From heaven. And where are we seated? And where's our perspective? From heaven. So the last thing I want to say this morning is the way we exercise authority is we say, God, how are you seeing this situation? And help me to see and speak into the situation the same way you see it. Would you stand together with me? And I want you to think with me for just a minute about any circumstance that you're facing. Whatever it might be. Like I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, we have obviously a pretty significant celebration coming up in our family with Stephanie and Stephen getting married. But the challenge that we have is New York State's restricting, restricting how many people can be there right now. The other challenge we have is some of our family live in one of the 35 states that are quarantined right now. Is that something we can exercise authority over? One person said yes, I saw. Hello? Is that something we can exercise authority over? How do we exercise authority? The way we exercise authority is we speak to the situations. We thank God that He's aware of the circumstances. We thank Him that as He let Paul and Silas out of prison, as He allowed Peter to walk on the water, as he delivered the woman with the issue of blood, as he healed Jay's back one time several years ago as we were praying for him, whatever the circumstances might be, we, we speak those situations into those circumstances. So what about you? In your lives, in your families, circumstances, physical challenges, Things that represent bondage that you need to see loosed. What I want to ask you to do right now is to bow your heads and I want you to speak words of thanksgiving that God knows what's going on and that He's in control and He sees every one of those situations. Thank Him just like Paul and Silas did. And let praise be a weapon in the presence of the enemy. Let praise be a weapon in the presence of the enemy. We praise you, Lord, for all the things that we're having to face. We praise you that you have everything in control. We praise you, Lord, that you can change the circumstance in, in, in the blink of an eye. And so we ask you, Lord, with the authority that you've given to us to change those situations, to bind what needs to be bound, and to loosen what needs to be loosed. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to put your hands out in front of you and imagine that this is the very first time 
that God is giving you his authority, his exousia, and his dunamis, his power, for you to do what you need to do. And I want you to believe that wherever you put your feet, wherever you step, as you begin to step out of this place this morning, that everywhere you step this week, you carry the Spirit of the Lord there. And you have, you have in your hands the authority of Christ to release freedom in the atmosphere. So that people recognize things are different than they were before you walked into the room because you carry the Spirit of Christ. And so receiving that, receive this prayer that Paul prays to the Ephesians, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine or think, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.